We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. Pacer Nation, welcome back to your go-to Pacers podcast, setting the pace. The Indiana Pacers finally take their first loss in the in-season tournament. It wasn't the championship game. They lose 123-109 to to the Los Angeles Lakers. Joining me to talk about this game is Michael Focci. We are recording this at around 12.30 after the game took place. So, Focci, how are we feeling, man? I'm not mad. I'm not hurt. I'm not disappointed. It, it was an awesome a really fun run to the cup, but tonight the Pacers just never really looked like a true threat. I feel they never got comfortable. They never had a lead outside of the first basket of the game. And I think that the Lakers just, they overmatched the Pacers. They have a few stars, a few hall of famers on that team. And, you know, Anthony Davis, he, uh, we saw quite a lot of Anthony Davis, but overall I'm happy about this Pacers team tonight. Tough loss, but I think I might rather lose this way than lose by one shot where you could pin it to maybe one point. Maybe that's just me. Well, before we jump into this game, and I, you kind of started off saying, like, you're proud of this team. You know, look at who the Pacers have played and who they have beaten to get to this point, right? You go through Boston. You go through Milwaukee to get here once the tournament started, but you beat Atlanta on the road. You beat Philadelphia on the road. You had a tough game at home against Cleveland. So it's not like the Pacers played – you know, a lackluster schedule, they played some tough teams and they just ran into a, a very good defensive team in the Lakers who have a lot of length. Very good. And the Pacers are already pretty thin in their front court. Um, they were already without Jalen Smith and Andrew Nimhard. So two of their better defenders, guys that can get in there and be effective rebounding. And, you know, I, I just felt like you missed those two guys, but I, I put a tweet out just saying like, win or lose Pacer fans, you should be proud of this team for getting to this point. Like this does not account, this not does not count against the Pacers regular season schedule or their record. So, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, you want them to win. There's no doubt about it. Losing sucks. No matter if it counts on the record or not, 
but it's a great learning experience. And I think Rick Carlisle said it best at the end of the game. When he talked to media, he basically just said, we've got to remember what this felt like and, and, and never let that go. And I think for a young team, that's exactly what you want to hear. It is because I feel that this, this loss, it gave, I think it'll humble the Pacers instead of making them cocky. If they won this, they would probably say we expect to, to be winning and, and, and go further in the playoffs. I think this was a great experience, a great taste for this Pacers team, but they're just not there yet. They have to continue to get better on defense because offensively, most nights, yeah, they could come out and, and you know, light it up. But I think tonight they, they suffered on both ends. They ran into a Lakers team that was elite defensively, a, a Lakers team that crushed them on the glass. I mean, crushed them in the paint. There, there was so much that just showed the differences between these teams. And if we break it down, the Lakers, one of the highest payrolls in the NBA, a team that if they don't win a championship, it is a failure. The Pacers, the third youngest team in the league, I believe have the, the, lowest. the, the lowest payroll in the NBA. Like this is David versus Goliath. And I thought that the Pacers, you know, they really hung around for a while. I would say at least three-fourths of the game. The fourth quarter got away from them. At one point, it was 196. This team fought. I'm proud of them. I'm not going to be let down. I am proud of this run and all the tension that came with it. Yeah, I want to say the pace even cut it to three at the start of the fourth quarter, and we caused the Lakers to, to call a timeout. And, and I will just say this. you know, We'll get into the game. We'll kind of break down what went wrong for the Pacers here in a second. But I, I think that everybody looking at this team and expecting them to win this championship and be this great first round, you know, not first round, but this first uh, team to win the first ever in season tournament, this team that's going to be a playoff team, like, yeah, let let's let let's let it calm down a little bit because you're talking about an experienced Lakers team that was in the Western Conference Finals last year. They've mm-hmm. got a lot to prove. You've got a guy in LeBron James who has been in so many meaningful games, and you look at the Pacers roster, and the majority of their guys have not really played in those games. There's been guys on this team for sure that have gotten into those games as well, but I just think that this is a great experience for them. And at the end of the day, like it was a one is a winner go home is a one game elimination game. So I, I wouldn't sweat too much about it. Like, yeah, I said at the beginning, it does suck that you lose this game. But I thought we saw some really solid play from a lot of role players and probably some of the guys you expected to step up in this game. Pachi really didn't step up. And so it does kind of like put things in perspective a little bit about where this team really is. But overall, I think the Lakers were just a very tough matchup for them. We wanted the Lakers, right? We wanted to beat LeBron because it felt like we needed to beat LeBron to make this feel even more like a justified instead of beating the Pelicans, yep. right? But I just feel like the Lakers did a great job of taking the Pacers out of their game. The Pacers hung tough for as long as they could, but eventually they just ran out of gas. Invaluable experience for the Pacers. But yes, the Lakers came ready to rock with a great defensive plan, and it worked. It worked. The way they defended Tyrese Halliburton, especially early on, they really took Halliburton out of his game in the first half. Um, And they made it extremely tough on him from the perimeter. But also the Lakers, the length that they have, I mean, they were bullying us in the paint, on the glass. They were just so much bigger than us. And the Pacers lack size overall as a team. But when you don't have Jalen Smith out there and Miles Turner is in foul trouble, you're so thin and you're small. And I, I think that that showed tonight that the Pacers aren't one of the bigger teams in the league. And, and the Lakers, they have the size to bully, and that is exactly what they did tonight. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think that if Miles Turner has just a decent offensive game, 
and and maybe can stay out of foul trouble like we've seen him do recently, the Pacers maybe have a chance to be in this game a lot more than they were because the Lakers were able to get Miles Turner in foul trouble, and I honestly think that it worked in the papers, a Pacers' benefit because I thought Isaiah Jackson actually outplayed Miles Turner in this game tonight. We can debate that later, but I felt like his activity was really special. He was a lot quicker to contesting shots and just kind of did what he does best. He was a, I don't know if he had more rebounds or not, but he felt like he was fighting more for the re, for the rebounds. So didn't play nearly as much and and had you know just about as many rebounds as Miles did. So I felt like those minutes when he was in there, it was good. I think he was a plus five tonight as well as TJ McConnell was. only to to be a plus in this game where the Pacers got dominated pretty much after they got the opening three from Buddy Heald, but. Anthony Davis was a problem. Anthony Davis was the reason the Lakers absolutely won this game. We can talk about the defense they put on Tyrese Halliburton, but I think the Pacers found a way to kind of counter that. They just, my goodness, they cannot hit an open three tonight. And it's kind of been a reoccurring theme the last handful of games. It feels like this Pacers team has really been struggling from outside. But Anthony Davis, I mean, when when a guy puts up uh, 16 to 24 shooting-wise and has 20 rebounds, Fachi, 20 rebounds, five assists, and finishes the game with 41 points and is a plus 13, you're going to have a hard time beating that any night. So I I said this on a tweet as well, and I feel like it's the same. I feel like it's very relevant for this conversation. The Los Angeles Lakers did with Anthony Davis what the Bucs did not do with Giannis Antetokounmpo. And if the Bucs would have fed Giannis like the Lakers fed Davis, guarantee the Pacers probably lose that game before they get to the championship. They probably do. And for Anthony Davis, one other thing that we got to throw in there because the stat line was so impressive, leave something out. He also had four blocks. I mean, defensively, he made things tough. He got to the line 13 times. He had 13 uh, free throw attempts in this game, 9 of 13, five offensive rebounds. I just felt like Anthony Davis, yeah, he didn't win, you know, the in-season tournament MVP. That award went to LeBron. If there was an MVP for this game, it was most definitely Anthony Davis. I know Miles Turner is catching a, a tough one on Twitter, but yeah, Anthony Davis, he's gonna do this. This this was like vintage Anthony Davis of like what he's capable of. And he really showed up tonight. And I think that there's not many guys that could have stopped him. I think Turner had a really tough job. But yeah, Anthony Davis got what he wanted tonight on the offensive end. And I think that he played extremely good defense. On Turner, I mean, Turner was 3 of 11 in this game. Anthony Davis was just a force on both sides. And let's be honest, the reason that the Lakers went out and got Anthony Davis when he became available was because LeBron James needed a co-star. He needed a running mate. And let's be honest, there's going to be times when your best player on your team might not always be the number one option. And the Pacers don't have that flexibility. They have to have Tyrese Halliburton be great every single night for them to win. And if guys don't step up, that that that's then they're not going to win every game, right? You know, you can't always rely on Tyrese to be Mr. Perfect. And he is human. He's going to have more and more attention drawn to him defensively like we saw with the Lakers double teaming him. You know, we saw Anthony Davis, you know, coming out there on those pick and pops with Miles Turner, really forcing him to become a passer. And he's good at that. But with their length and their size, it did make the passes a little bit more difficult. 
And then guys just weren't hitting shots out of those double teams. So it was just kind of a recipe for success for the Lakers and a recipe for doom for the for the Pacers. So, you know, they were trying, they were they were taking the right shots a lot of times, but they just weren't hitting. And at some point, you know, you got to figure out how do you how do you counter that if you're not hitting shots? How do you get to the basket? Well, the Lakers made it very difficult because of their size that like we talked about. Like we can't overemphasize how important the Lakers' size was in this game. Like I thought Cam Reddish actually played pretty solid defense on Tyrese. He did. Um, you know, he got in foul trouble a little bit. The same with LeBron James, but I will just say this, going out and getting that second star, though, Fachi, like the Lakers did, took the Lakers from, okay, this is a playoff team, to now they are a title contender. Now, Anthony Davis and LeBron James are top 10 players in the league. So, you know, that's a different ball game here. You know, Tyrese is elevating his way into that conversation. But at the same time, there's probably not another guy out there in that top 10 that's available right now for the Pacers to go out and try yeah. to trade for. But I think it put an emphasis on, okay, it's, it's nice every once in a while to win by committee type thing, but the Pacers cannot rely on that, and I think they need to go find their number two star. It's not a hot take here. Everybody's saying it on Twitter, just how I felt in the game. They need that number two reliable option, which when you're a number one option off after Tyrese, is you, you know, your bench trying to carry you, that's a problem. It is. Look, as much as you want to say you could rely on the team, it's hard to rely on seven players to give you double-figure points. And that's what the Pacers were trying to do. And for for Halliburton, look, this was, you could say, the biggest stage he's ever played on. And I think that in, in the in the first half, it was it was a lot for him. He struggled from the perimeter. You know, they had Vanderbilt guarding him with Anthony Davis helping out. I feel like that length right there, that that's impossible for anyone. Just seven first half points for Tyrese Halliburton. But I do think once he started to drive, he had far more success. He was six of six when he drove, but that was more later in the game. For Anthony Davis, I mean, he he did everything you could have hoped for and more. I just think for this Pacers team, you know, you look at okay, is there a top ten guy available? To your point, no, I don't think there is. But a player like Pascal Siakam in this game could have been massive for the Pacers because they didn't have that that post presence at all. They they lacked the size, especially when Turner's in foul trouble. It's just like you were down Isaiah Jackson, Obi Top, and trying to have guys play far bigger than what they're capable of. And I, I just think tonight was that night where it's really emphasized of like who could go out there and get you. T- 20 outside of Tyrese, no one had it. I mean, I know Matherin had 20 points, but it, it didn't feel like he was really imposing until that second half, more of the end of the third quarter into the fourth. That first quarter, uh, first half, you had Obi Toppin, 10 points, and he only scored yeah. three more for the rest of the game. You had Aaron Smith with 11 at halftime. He only scored four more for the rest of the game. There was a lot of guys that, unfortunately, offensively, did not show up tonight to help Tyrese Halliburton out. No, you're right. I mean, Obi Toppin had some good moments early on. You felt good when he shot the ball. He was the best three-point shooter of the night, 3 of 7, 42.9%. Nobody else shot above 25%, Fachi, for for the team. And that's where this kind of gets into – you're frustrated because they they made three threes kind of to start out in the first quarter. You're thinking, okay, maybe they'll at least hit 10 or 12, and it was just like maybe they ended up getting there. I can't remember as a team if they got there, but – uh, 10 threes, so not not great. 10 of 41 for no. 24%. So this is a team that lives and dies by the three, and they were just obliterated in the paint. Their points in the paint were just – do you have the numbers on that? for what? The it's 86 paint? to 44 in the paint. It was horrible. It was – it could even nightmares. The Lakers got everything and anything laughable. they wanted. It's laughable. I mean, and that's the thing. The Lakers made two threes the entire night. Two. It's – you think that's a – in 20 20- – 23 
that would be a recipe for success. At one point, the Lakers were 0 of 10 from three. Uh, you know, Mike Breen had announced it. A team had not made a three in a game in eight years. And all of a sudden, it's like, we didn't even have the lead. Like, it was, we weren't even in control at any point. The Lakers, to be able to do this, to be able to pull this off without really any three-point, you know, threats at any point, that's that's really tough. And yeah. the Pacers, we got to give this, we to, the one thing that really kept them in, in the first half, they were 22 of 23 from the free throw line. The shot well. That was very surprising. They yeah. did, but... I mean, how many more free throws are you going to get? Overall, the Pacers end up getting only 11 more free throws in the second half, while the Lakers ended up shooting 20 more free throws. Yeah, the Lakers finished the game with, what was it, 35 free throw attempts? 35. 33. Mm-hmm. Pretty close. It felt like some of those calls were a little bit whack on the Pacers. I, don't, I understand like, the timing of a call. You know, I'm, I'm glad the Pacers were able to challenge the one that they called initially on Neesmith and ended up getting reversed and called on LeBron James. I mean, that was just um, – uh, that was just a terrible call uh, in the first place. I mean, Neesmith was clearly set. But, yeah. No, I mean, honestly, like, when I look at the box score, I'm I'm impressed with what Benedict Matherin did in the minutes they had to have him play. I thought Aaron Neesmith really brought it defensively. He was really making life uh, tough for LeBron James. Yes. There's no doubt about it. LeBron was getting frustrated with him, and you could tell. Like, you can see when LeBron starts pushing off and getting kind of irritated. Mm-hmm. Aaron Neesmith's a dog, man. Aaron Neesmith is someone I want on my team. Every single night, he was he battling late in the game. He hit the he hit the floor real hard. Pacers might have been down by about ten to fifteen points, and it's like this guy won't quit. So no. for him to take on LeBron, you just gotta tip your hat because that is uh that's 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 about as hard of a matchup as it gets in this league. Yeah, and then we got to talk about TJ McConnell here just for a quick second because look, you know, no Andrew Nimhard McConnell's role is going to be in you know increase. He had nine assists. He had three steals. And he was, he made some really big plays in this. I think he had some nice offensive rebounds as well. He ended up getting three. And you can kind of feel like, okay, he needs to be on the floor a little bit more, maybe. I know that he does hurt you size wise being out there, but he was bringing something that this starting group wasn't bringing. And that was energy. And that's kind of what he does every night. But at the same time, three of 11 shooting, Fachi. And some of those shots that he took, I'm thinking to myself, why are you taking those? Like there was one where Tyrese hit him on like a when they were in a fast break situation, and I forget who blocked him. I might have been Anthony Davis, but it's like, why? Why do you think you can contest Anthony Davis at the at the layup, <laughs> at the point of attack at the rim? I'm like, what are we doing? So, you know, he he had some big moments, but he also had some really dumb shot decisions. You know, and sometimes this is going to happen, but I just did not like his shot selection at all. I didn't like it either. And honestly, I know you mentioned that he got blocked. I think he got blocked a few times. It might have been oh, two or three wow. times that he got blocked. blocked him it, exactly. That was on a jumper. Um, and I just felt that there was times you mentioned trying to go point blank up. I mean, he's like six feet going up against Anthony Davis is like six eleven. It's like you're giving up so much size that it's like, what are the odds that McConnell really sneaks that in? So I, I just felt that, yeah, I mean, there's some good things that he brought to the table, but the shooting three of 11, just the shot selection, just not good to your point. And the Pacers overall from a bench standpoint, yeah, they, they did score. I mean, they scored over 50 points as a bench, but I just feel that it wasn't, you know, the, the type of recipe they've been looking for. It wasn't really, I mean, I can't say it wasn't really efficient. It wasn't efficient. Overall, the Pacers as a team, they were, 30, they were sub 37%. This is a team that is the the most efficient team in the NBA. I mean, they are they, they shoot over fifty percent uh, as a unit tonight. Sub thirty seven percent. It's just not going to get it done, especially when that three point ball is flat. I will say this: 
and I, I know that I'm an Andrew Nimhard homer, but you felt his presence missed tonight for multiple yeah. reasons. Number one, I will say the defense that would have been put on Austin Reeves with that second unit, Austin Reeves got wherever he wanted, whenever he wanted, and he got a superstar whistle on mm. some of those shots yes. that he missed. Okay, that's number one. I feel like if Nimhard would have been out there, you know, Austin Reeves finished the games with 28 points. I feel like he maybe finishes with 15, 16 points instead if you have Nimhard out there kind of being that main defender on him. Number two, I think you could play him next to Tyrese, which would have helped a lot um, just because Tyrese was getting trapped so much and their defense was paying so much attention to him. Now you have a guy that can actually run the offense and doesn't make you lose on the defensive side or really the offensive side with his size because he is six foot five, where McConnell's only six foot, like you mentioned. So this is kind of where you miss somebody like a Nimhard that can kind of do all that. And somebody that replaced him in the starting lineup, Bruce Brown, he didn't show up tonight, Fachi. No. And I will say this. We a lot of people, myself included, were very hard on Turner for the game that he had tonight, and we'll touch on Turner here in a second. But I, I think that I might even be more disappointed in the performance from Bruce Brown. Plays just 19 minutes in the game, 2-9 and nine from the field, and this is the guy that you brought in from a championship team, a team that just won four games in a row against the Lakers, swept them, got to the NBA Finals, and he was a part of that team that just really has been in those big moments. And for a young team that's trying to ascend and put their name on the map, they needed that veteran leadership out there to kind of be a calming presence. And I felt like he was just somebody that was a lost cause out there tonight. I felt like Bruce Brown was very disappointing and very underwhelming. Yeah, there, there was no Bruce Brown, you know, stamp on this game. I felt like in previous games we had seen him, you know, make it tough, you know, against uh, Milwaukee. He had some good defensive stops and, uh, you know, Boston played good defense. I just feel like tonight, just on either end, you didn't feel it. And when you're talking about him going flat, Turner, Bruce, and Buddy combined 8 of 31 mm -hmm. from the field and 3 of 16 from 3. I mean, that's three starters right there. Those those are three guys that on any given night, maybe not Bruce so much, could be your second option. And I just feel that when you're getting that type of production, you know, or lack thereof from those three, it's really tough. And I already mentioned that Obi Toppin had – 10 of his 13 points in the first half. So you really weren't getting much. And I just felt like for Tyrese at times, he, you almost had to have him like force things a little bit to want to play out of his game and be a little bit more aggressive because guys weren't hitting shots, even if he was getting them good looks. And I think this is where Tyrese might have to kind of learn from this experience and be like, okay, they're guarding me really tight up here. How am I going to, how am I going to find ways to kind of attack this defense? And he did in the third quarter. He got to the basket mm -hmm. a lot. And like you mentioned, what was he, six of six from two? Six six of six from two. It was working for him when he, he wasn't driving that much. But when he did, he was scoring. When he was putting those shots up, he wasn't missing. Yeah, and I think part of the problem is when you're the Pacers and your defense is set up to eliminate three-point shots and funnel everything to the rim and not help out really in pick-and-roll situations, pick-and-pop situations, and kind of let the guys play their own defense without switching and double teaming and putting them into a lot of rotations. When you're trading twos for twos, that's not the style of play you want to play with. If you're the Pacers, this is a team that wants to get out and run a team that wants to get out there and shoot threes. And, you know, unfortunately they weren't able to do that. Yeah. I know they ended up out scoring them, you know, 10, three pointers to, to two. So they ended up having a 24 point advantage from that line, but 
you mentioned it was a 40 point advantage in the paint basically for the for the Lakers. And then the free throw line, I think the Pacers might have had the advantage there in total makes 27 to 29. So Pacers out scoring by two there. But other than that, you know, it was like, okay, um, what 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 are we doing wrong here? But I just I just feel like at the end of the day, this Pacers team got obliterated on the glass. They missed a lot of dumb shots. They just could never get into a flow. The rebounds, I know you want to talk about it, right? I, I, I want to talk about it bad because I know obliterated should sound strong enough. But I want to put that number out there so everybody can really can paint that visual. You know, be like a little bit of an artist real quick. The Lakers won the rebounding battle 55-32. to 32. Yeah. That is a 23-rebound differential. And I, and I just feel that that is massive in this game. I mean, the Lakers were just – there was times they were able to pull down two to three rebounds in one possession. I, I felt that the Pacers never looked strong on the glass, and uh, it was disappointing. And I know that you touched on a few different factors. The Lakers also outscored the Pacers on the fast break. So th- that's something that the Pacers typically excel in. It was 21-18 to yeah. in favor of the Lakers – we talked about a couple games ago. I think it was against Miami when they outscored Miami 15 to nothing on the fast break. So the Pacers yeah. weren't really ever able to get into their style of play and tire the Pacers out. I mean, tire the Lakers out the same way that we saw the Lakers. I mean, the Pacers tire out Milwaukee and kind of get to Boston and things like that in the past. For sure, Fachi. And so, I mean, there, there was a lot of factors that went into this. I think the Lakers just played bully ball, and the Pacers aren't able to play that style just because of how they're built. And, you know, you can you can be mad at maybe that they should be built a little bit differently, be built a little bit stronger. Like, this is a game where you kind of felt like Daniel Tice would have been important to have on the roster still and, and wasn't really worth buying him About out for no reason. I'm just saying, like, let's be honest. I know. And and we, we make no, jokes about it? it, but it's like if Daniel Tice is on this team, he clearly plays in this game tonight. And he probably has a better uh, impact on the game than people realize just being able to be physical and guard a guy like Anthony Davis out there and and make you feel like you could leave Miles out there maybe a little bit longer or or let him get that third foul a little bit sooner because Miles played like he was afraid to pick up fouls. And to me, when mm-hmm. Miles starts getting in his head like that and playing afraid to pick up fouls and he's not hitting his shots, then he's going to be frustrated. Look, after he fouled out of the game, he sprinted off the court. He was hot. Yeah. And there were some foul calls that were questionable. He did have the two moving screen calls called on him, which he hardly ever gets called for those. The the last one that got him the fifth foul, that was definitely Tyrese Halliburton's fault on that one. Uh, Tyrese doesn't usually yep, do that. It was. Turner sprinted up there. He did not give the guy any space. And then Halliburton just took off a little too soon. I mean, it's going to happen sometimes. But there were some other ones where he just grabbed Anthony Davis because he couldn't keep up with him. Anthony Davis was just – taking advantage of it. And this is where I felt Isaiah Jackson was a little bit more active because he's quicker on his feet and he had some nice block shots. He had more contests. And I felt like Turner was always late rotating over to contest shots, or he just failed to do it because he was afraid of getting in foul trouble. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I'm with you. And, you know, one thing, one, this is rare. Turner didn't have a block tonight. Isaiah Jackson had four. So yeah. it, it just showed that Isaiah was really contesting these shots better tonight. But one thing I want to say is that it might have been a couple of weeks ago. You pointed out, you're like, do you ever think that Turner's been a little bit slow reacting? And this was against the Raptors when Scotty Barnes ends up just going in and getting that and one. And I've noticed it more and more. And I feel like tonight was, was there was some real slow reaction that I was like, come on, like what what's going on? And I just don't think it was his night. And he will have other nights, but when you talked about not wanting to pick up fouls, yeah, he started playing to, you know, whatever you want to call it. Uh, you know, just picking and choosing, not really being able to play defense the way he wants to play defense. He picked up that fourth foul roughly eight minutes to go in the third quarter. I felt like at that point that just wrecked, you know, essentially the second half for him because, you know, he had, he had to come out for a long time. And that last foul, it, it was Tyrese's fault, but it was just very unfortunate. And right when Turner went out, I, I really did feel like that meme of Wolverine holding that picture, and he's looking at Daniel Tice because of all, all nights, we didn't need Tice forever. But he mentioned it. We were so thin that we needed a big body. That's what you needed. And we didn't have that. Isaiah did what he could, but you can't ask him to really stop Anthony Davis. That That's a tall task. So I think the Pacers right now, and you know Oscar's not going to be ready for that. He's, he's he, not going to be. He would have got rebounds, though. That's what I will he, say. He got a rebound and he got fouled in about a minute of play. I love. He was like the first second 10 seconds. of it. Exactly. It was nice to see, but I, I just feel like the Pacers went from having four centers at one point to now it's like, uh, you know, Jalen Smith's hurt. What are you gonna do? Yeah. So I mean, and one other player that I think we need to touch on, which we haven't really hit on that much, is Buddy Heald. You know, we didn't hit on him enough. Uh, I, I thought, it. honestly, when he made that first three in the game, I thought, okay, Buddy Heald came to play. Buddy Heald hit that first three. This is a good sign. He's going to see it go in a little bit more. Fachi, let's talk about Buddy Heald's stats the last five games, not including this Lakers game, okay? We're going back to the Portland game, the two Miami games, the Boston game, and the Milwaukee game. Three-pointers made, okay? Eight. Mm-hmm. Three-pointers attempted, 33. 24.2% over the last five games, not including this game where he went two of nine. So that would be 10 of 42. I'm going to do the math real quick on that. It's not great. It's not great at all. 22%. 23.8% is Oof. 10 of 42. So, you know, his, his numbers are even dipping more and more. He was put into the starting lineup to be that three point shooter. And that's kind of what he did against Milwaukee. Uh, he hit, he he just draws a lot of players to him because of his shooting. Uh, excuse me, what he did to the Celtics. I'm sorry, Celtics. He was four of six against the Celtics. But I just I've I've kind of grown to this point where it's like if Buddy Hill's not going, I don't understand why they're playing him 32 minutes in a game. You know, Ben Matherin out here played 30 minutes. I thought Neesmith only played 26. I know he got in some foul trouble, but let Neesmith foul out, especially at this point because you have to win this game. It's win or go home. And, and play him more than Buddy. I just 
I don't understand why Rick is so in love with Buddy all the time, despite his shooting woes. And I know Rick always says, I'm not worried about Buddy. I'm not worried about Buddy. He's a great shooter. But, like, he's not been that great this year. He's been very, very, very streaky. He really has. I mean, I know you, you touched on it. Against Boston, he was really good, 21 points. Last game against Milwaukee, like, it was great that he pulled down 11 rebounds. But 3 yeah. of 11 shooting and then 3 of 11 shooting against the Lakers – that can't happen. The Pacers, they're it's an outlier when they win a game where Buddy Hill shoots three of eleven because he's getting up double digit shots that he's gotta be efficient with that. And he's been too streaky. And we we obviously know it's a contract year. You got him in the starting lineup. Like I d I don't know. They, they gotta figure something out because this team kind of you don't want to say, you know, goes as he goes because he's not the number one, but when he is like a really good number three for this team, they're that much better. But it, it's been tough, and this is the biggest stage that Buddy's played on at this point. He's not a rookie. He's not as young as Tyrese. He's he's one of the veterans on this team, about 31 years old. So you would think that this is everything that he's waited for, but it hasn't been pretty. It really hasn't. I know we have enough of a sample size to say, hey, Buddy's going to be just fine, but lately he really hasn't. And it has been alarming that in this in-season tournament, I mean, it, it I don't know, it, it wasn't great. I'd have to look back and see some of the earlier games, but just specifically two of the last three games have been pretty rough. They really have been. And I'm, and I'm, I'm hopeful for Buddy to get it going again because they need him to. But I'm hoping for other guys to step up too. We know we can't always rely on Buddy being the only guys to hit shots. You know, Bruce Brown's going to be a better three-point shooter. Uh, I think Turner has been pretty average this year as a three-point shooter. Some of the shots he's taken are not great. Um, I, I did see a stat somewhere today before the game that when he is um, involved in the pick-and-pop offensive action and catching on like a, a pass from Halliburton, he's shooting around 50% from three on those plays. Now, tonight was not the case, but there's there's times where Turner has been really good shooting the basketball and times where he's been kind of MIA. I know the numbers have been down this year. Do you have those numbers up? I do have them up because they have been down. And that, that's kind of the, the thing that's tough is, you know, we thought last year Miles shot 37% from three, and we were thrilled with that. Alex, coming to this game, 32.2 yeah. on the season. That would be the worst since his rookie year. Yeah, it's it's not been good. I knew that it was down, and I was like, I'm not going to freak out about it, but he's he's got to step up. And, you know, this is why when we were talking about do we have a second option on the roster right now, and everybody was kind of hoping we'd hint at Benedict Matherin. I still think Ben's a ways away because the point of attack defense from yes. Ben Matherin is just not not there yet. So Rick has had that leash kind of tight on him because of that, but you know he made some really good baskets here, and he got to the foul line, nine for nine from the free throw line from Ben Matherin doing what he does best, and he's a guy that you really need when you're playing a style like this. And we've talked about that. Like you go back and look at the bulls game when he was really kind of needed for his style of play. Uh, maybe even against the magic, just somebody that can put the ball in the basket and, and try to draw a foul. Like he's one of their only smart players at doing that. But, but overall, you know, I think we've talked about everybody on the team. Tyrese Halliburton obviously did not have a great game, but he still had a really solid game. And, the Lakers did everything they could to take him out of it, and he still shot over 57% from the field. So that's good to see. You're just hoping that they can build off this and continue to go forward and and kind of use this loss. 
while it doesn't count against the record, which I want to just keep iterating, like it does not matter when loss wise. So technically record wise, they're still on a winning streak, Fachi. So we got to go off that. They're still on a three game winning streak based on the record. So they've got Detroit on Monday. And I think that there's a good chance they might've overthought uh, how good they were or got a little too big for their britches. If they won this championship, you talk about it, they might get a lot too cocky, right? I think this is a nice piece of humble pie to bring them back down to earth. They've gotten all this national praise. Now they have this extra chip on their shoulder once again to get back and prove to the world how good they are. You know, they've, they've, they've arrived, but they're still arriving. If that makes sense. Oh, no doubt. Pie has been served. I think that the Pacers will respond from this. I think that's how they've been this year because for someone like Halliburton, who was absolutely out of this world, brilliant in this in-season tournament. Yeah, you mentioned it. Look, he had 20 and 11 assists. Anyone would be thrilled with that. He did it on 8 of 14 shots. But, like, he had just been playing out of this world to the point where you know this wasn't his best game. He had three turnovers. And, look, for anyone else, uh, 11 assists to three turnovers is beyond more than fine. But you know Halliburton is going to take this personally. He's going to get better from this because he knows that, hey, he's got to be able to get his shot off against taller defenders. The Lakers really did defend him very well. So I think for the Pacers team, they're going to they're gonna say, hey, look, we tasted what success could be. We got everybody talking about us. I think you got to remember, in the end, we wouldn't have even had one nationally televised game by this point. We ended up squeaking out three of them. We still have that one in January. I think the buzz that, that surrounded the Pacers this year really let the league know that they could be a team that you got you got to keep your eye on. You, you got to be, you know, they could be a force one day. They're not there yet, but a guy like Tyrese Halliburton is making a statement in this league. We want help to come. I think that what this can do, though, is show to management we're not that far away, and that if the Pacers have an opportunity to get into the playoffs, you got to go for it. It doesn't mean you push your chips all in this year at the deadline, but you don't want to do those like, well, you know what, maybe let's hold a couple guys back. No, you want this team to get more experience because look what they did in this tournament. And that's what really excites me to know that I think the Pacers are going to go for it this year. I don't think they're going to punt later in the season if there are some, you know, the team gets a bit banged up. And, and you kind of wonder, too, does a game like this open up the front office's eyes to say, okay, you know, maybe they were feeling really good about how they were able to beat Milwaukee and beat Boston, like two of the upper echelon teams in the Eastern Conference but then see where they really get smacked in the mouth against the Lakers and say, okay, maybe we're not there yet with this roster. And I think they kind of know that too. Like there's no doubt about it. They know that they have yeah. to add more defensive help and more size up front to this roster to be really good and find the number two for Tyrese. But you could get a little cute and you could be kind of like how Pritchard talked about Thad Young came into their front office and said, don't break this team up. We have great chemistry. And that's when they got the four seed and lost in seven to the Cavs when they could have been probably more aggressive and, went about doing things a little bit differently, but they didn't want to mess the chemistry up. I mean, you could probably feel the same way about this group right here if they win the in-season tournament championship. Oh, we just went 7-0 and in the in-season tournament championship, uh, in tournament run, excuse me, and you're just excited about it, and you're kind of getting in your feels a little bit. You're emotionally like drawn to the players on this team. You don't want to make a big trade because you're afraid of upsetting the fruit basket. But I think at this point, 
this loss might help push the Pacers front office in that direction a little bit more than maybe they would have if they won this thing to say, okay, we like the guys we have on this roster, but we need to find more dogs. We need to find more Aaron Neesmiths on this team. We need to find more guys that are going to give it to us every single night and, and really help us compete at a high level. I'm not saying that all these guys don't, but you just need to find it more consistently and preferably a legitimate number two option that you can rely on to relieve some of the stress off Tyrese Halliburton. Exactly. You don't want to, you know, judge someone necessarily by just one game, but you saw what the difference is from a team that says, hey, if we don't win a championship this year, it is a failure compared to a team with the Pacers that you're hoping to one day just, you know, punch a ticket to the dance and say, hey, we're here to compete, compete for it all. So I think the Lakers, they were built to win it all. The Pacers have not fully built it yet. So this Lakers team, they have a lot of veterans. You know, they were able to, when things got close, they were to push ahead. I mentioned before, it ended up being 100 to 96. The Lakers go on a 15 to 3 run late in that fourth quarter, blow the Pacers out. And, and I think that the Pacers, they're still that team that if anything, they keep these games really close. They can't blow those teams out. It's hard for them to really push far ahead. We'll get there one day. I'm very proud of this group. I don't want to dwell too much on the negatives, but to our point, we know we have not arrived yet, so the journey continues. For sure. And last thing, just like a game like this, it kind of shows you how hard it is to win a game when you're always climbing uphill. You can't climb uphill for 45 minutes of a game and expect to pull out a no. victory. In the last second, you got to have an opportunity where you have the lead for a little bit and maybe you end up losing the lead a little bit, but you have to have that back and forth and it cannot be one team just constantly adding to the lead, you catching up a little bit, then them adding on. It's like every time the Pacers got down to four or five points, it felt like the Lakers went on another five to six run, five to six oh run. And you're like, okay, every every time you got a little bit excited about the Pacers maybe turning this thing around, the Lakers just, just responded. And, and that's the sign of a veteran team, Pachi. So that's growth. That's how you learn. But that's also how you use that experience to realize what you have to do to, to be a legitimate team that's going to compete. Now, it's it's December 10th. We're talking about what feels like we just got eliminated from the regular season. It feels like the game. It, like it the, does feel that like way. The year's over because we just lost the championship game. But we're playing Monday night. We're playing the Pistons. So it's like great chance to respond, bounce back, and improve to 13-8. and eight. Yeah, and to your point about it was just kind of couldn't really uh, cap you know capitalize the momentum. Uh, Halliburton passes it to Turner. Turner hits a big three. All of a sudden, the Pacers cut it to three, and then Cam Reddish hits a three seconds later. Yeah, Lakers push ahead. It was like they could never really just keep that foot on the gas and get those stops. But yeah, that that's the thing. Look, we did not get bounced from the playoffs. I know this one hurts temporarily. I think there's no better team than to go out and play. Then Detroit compared to another really big game. I think this is good that the Pacers shouldn't overlook Detroit. They should want to avenge this loss. But, yep, for the, you know, however many times that loss tonight doesn't affect us. It won't show up in the loss column. Just great experience. And the Pacers can still continue to truck forward. So Detroit, I believe they lost, I want to say 19 straight, might be 17, 17 or 19 straight. Uh, they're really struggling right now. And I think that this is this is a good opportunity for the Pacers to be able to bounce back. I hope Nemhard and Jalen Smith could be returning soon. I believe for Nemhard it was a, just a bone bruise. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure what the latest status is on Jalen Smith. Week to week, Andrew Nemhard yeah. is. Yeah. 
Yeah, okay. Week to week. So neither seems long-term, but I would not anticipate them back by Monday against Detroit by any means, nor do I feel that the Pacers need those players back against Detroit. So let's get healthy. Let's continue to build off this, and I'm excited for the rest of the season. Absolutely, Pachi. You were right. The Pistons have lost 19 games in a row. Let's make it 20. The Pacers start a four-game road trip after their fun time in Vegas. So they've got Detroit. They play Milwaukee again on Wednesday. They've also got Washington, I believe, and then they play Minnesota. So I think they're going to have a tough couple of games there. Uh, Minnesota's been really good this year, 17-4. and The Bucs, I'm sure, are ready to get some revenge on the Pacers after they just beat them. And Tyrese was pointing to his wrist and, you know, uh, saying it's my time now. (laughs) You know, feel good about Pistons and Wizards. Those teams are pretty trash. So hopefully the Pacers will get up for the Bucks and the Timberwolves and kind of get things rolling here and just keep things moving forward in a positive direction before they come home a week from Monday. But they're on the road still. So really, Vachi, it's going to be two weeks before they come back home and play in front of their fans. So they got to use these uh, this time on the road to just keep bonding and keep finding ways to win. And this road trip is long because, yeah, like you mentioned, I mean, these last two games were in Vegas. I mean, yeah. they they left, uh, you know, what was it, after Monday night uh, or yeah. Tuesday night, uh, you know, against Monday Boston. Night. Yeah. yeah, Monday night. So they've been on the road for a while. So, and, and the adrenaline coming off this, that could be tough. That's why I'm happy that they're playing Detroit. And I know you mentioned, you know, you know that you're playing Detroit, you're playing Washington. Alex, I mentioned to you a couple days ago, I'm going to be making the trip for that game in Washington. The Pacers have lost the last five games I've attended over the last few years. Something's got to give. The streak's <laughs> got to end. If the Pacers lose that game and I'm in the building, that's going to be a tough one. That's going to be a real Will you retire one. from going to games then for us? I'm going to start to look in the mirror and be like, you know what? There's got to be something I'm doing wrong. But – I really feel confident I'll be in the building. I'll snap my losing streak when I'm present watching the Pacers. And I think it, it's going to it's gonna feel real good. You might have to shave the beard or something. If you uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you know, last time I shaved the beard, I ended up with a kind of a creepy mustache for about a week or I'm so. I'm saying shave it all, dude. Just yeah. start all over. I, I, I don't know. I'm just going to not even think about that. I'm thinking that we're going to handle business because this is a lowly Wizards team. I think they have about three wins on the year. You just can't mess that up, especially when we're coming off of some epic wins recently. I'm hoping we can just handle business, snap the streak. Absolutely, Fachi. And if the Pacers do in the streak with you in the building, you have to do a video live in the arena where you're doing a selfie video with the with the with the Pacers on the court behind you and say the streak is over. You have to do that. I think I can do that. I think I can do that. I got some lower level seating, so uh, you know should should have uh, the money, court. Money. I mean, it, well, you know, I don't get to see the Pacers much. I think you've seen them what eight times this year. I get to see them, you know, eight times over a few years. So um, I'm gonna I'm gonna live it up. I'm excited, and uh, they don't come to New York until like February. So yeah. I'm, in, I'm in a tough spot. I, I got I to gotta go to Washington. Maybe I might stop in Philly at some point. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to make my rounds within a couple hours. Well, they're done in Philly. So I know, I know. They're done now. That was unfortunate. They played like two games in like two days. Sunday, Tuesday. Like a back Sunday, Tuesday. Like, you know, like I'm happy this Washington game. It's on a Friday. So I'm going to take off work. I'm going to go down there, see them on a Friday uh, later in the year. They play the Knicks on like a Thursday and a Saturday. 
I don't remember for Brooklyn. I think it's on like a Wednesday, maybe. But you going back to back? Stuff out. Here. I mean, are you going by yourself? No, no, I'm meeting friends since I still have friends that live in DC. So I'm, so, I'm glad you're coming. But I'm going to be. I still got friends. Still got friends. Uh, it's going to be. I'm going to be in enemy territory, but no one really cares about the Wizards in DC. So it's like I'm just imagining a, a pretty, pretty rough crowd. You know, probably not too many people wearing jerseys or or showing too much support. You got to remember, this is. If it was a bad crowd before in DC, this is a Wizards team that has three wins now. <laughs> so it's going to be a little ugly, but I'm going to have a blast. I'm just kind of curious. You got good seats. How many tickets could you buy in the lower level that would equal the one ticket you bought for Babe to go watch Taylor Swift? Oh, oh yeah. No, I, a lot. Uh, I mean, these, these tickets are, you know, you're going to tell us the price. It's even... a rough estimate. No, they 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 were they were not expensive. You can get really good seats down there. No, no one's. Go- I don't think anyone's really going to this game. But how many <laughs> so, could you buy? Is what I'm asking. Um, could you buy like ten for the price of what the one? Few? Oh well, I mean, for for where I'm sitting, eh, yeah. I mean, maybe not, maybe not ten, but uh, seven you know, or eight, maybe, maybe not ten. No, no, no. For I don't the know. Price you, of get one you, you get a good amount. Taylor Swift ticket. Look, it was an expensive ticket. But these Pacer tickets, I mean, who knows what they're even going for once we're within like a day or two of the game. I mean, then at that point, yeah, maybe it does, you know, change to the 7 to 10 or so. We'll see. <laughs> but either way, yeah, I snagged these tickets a couple weeks ago. But yeah. I'm, I'm excited. Um, and, yeah, that streak's going down. You can believe that. Absolutely. Well, we might be back for an episode Sunday night. Maybe it might just be me solo. We'll figure that out. But we will definitely be back Monday night to recap Pacers Pistons for you guys. So thanks so much for joining us for this in-season tournament ride. Obviously, we did not get the ultimate prize of the championship trophy, but we got to see the Pacers get a lot of national love and kind of put themselves on the map with the rest of the Eastern Conference. So, Fachi, go ahead and let the people know where they can find us at on social media. Uh, absolutely. You can find us on Twitter at PacersPodSTP. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at PacersPodSTP. You can find us on Facebook, Set the Pace. You can find us on TikTok, Set the Pace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. Ladies and gentlemen, go to YouTube.com slash Setting the Pace, a Pacers podcast, where you can find all of our video recaps, even if they're tough losses like this one tonight. So thank you all so much for joining us and being a part of this. And Fachi, if you're excited for the Pacers to get back on the winning track after this tough loss and beat the Detroit Pistons on Monday night, then hit me with those three words. Let's go Pacers! Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast.